Hello and welcome to Walking the Earth Podcast, a podcast about the backpacking experience. You can check us out online at wtepodcast.com. I'm Justin Castle calling in from New York City, New York. And I'm Mike Margulies calling in today from Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, and before I go ahead and introduce our guest, um, a quick word from our sponsor. Um, so we are brought to you this time by audible.com. Um, basically, if you go to um, our link, which is audibletrial.com slash WTE podcast, um, you can get a free 30-day trial and also get yourself a free audiobook. Uh, and so for folks listening to this show, a book you might find interesting would be The 4-Hour Workweek uh, by Tim Ferriss. It's a book I've talked about before. Um, and the themes of the book are kind of uh, in line with a lot of what today's digital nomads and a lot of backpackers are doing, you know. The idea is you free up your time, you automate um, a lot of the things in your life, whether it's your business or even making yourself location independent in your existing job. Uh, talks about a lot of these things, so folks listening to this show would probably be very interested in that. Um, it's one of many books you can find on Audible, yeah. uh, so please, yeah, check them out. Um, audibletrial.com slash WTE podcast. You get a free audiobook of your choice, which could be that one or any other, and you help support the show, so check them out. Audibletrial.com slash WTE podcast. Um, and so with that, um, I'm going to bring things to Portland, Oregon. And so calling in from Portland, we've got Ben Condon. What's up, man? How are you doing? How's it going? Good, good. Cool, cool. Welcome, and Ben. So <laughs> ben actually has a story very much relevant to me right now, I'd say. Um, a cautionary tale uh, about Thailand, about this city I'm in, at Bangkok. Um, and so I'll, I'll let you kind of lead it in, man, um, as it's a, it's a really interesting story. Um, Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so I, I found myself in, in Bangkok, Thailand uh, about a couple years ago. I uh, just finished a business trip in India where over the course of a weekend I was able to do a quick trip to Bangkok um, and decided I liked it and wanted to see more of Thailand. So me and a, a buddy who was living in Japan, we coordinated to um, meet in Thailand and then travel through Thailand a little bit and through, to Vietnam. And so I was able to get to Thailand about a week before he was and Spent about a week in, down in the islands in the Gulf, Koh Samui and Koh Tao, and just having a really good time. And uh, then met my friend, his name's Mike, uh, met him in, in Thailand, and um, just really excited to see each other. We hadn't seen each other in probably about a year, just since he was living in Japan. And, right. Um, went, decided uh, I'd, never, I'd never been to Khao San Road, and he, he had, and that's kind of a yeah and Khao San Road being like that's sort of the, in Thailand in Bangkok it's like it's kind of the, the hub for all of um, Southeast Asia really it's like when if you're a backpacker in Southeast Asia it's pretty much the first spot you land is Khao San Road right. right with all the hostels and all the bars it's kind of this backpacker central <laughs> right 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 yeah and at, and at the time I, I hadn't really considered myself a, a, a backpacker in the traditional sense just because I was mm. You know, coming off a business trip, I right. you know was I was kind of used to staying in, in kind of nice digs. So yeah, you had actually just won like a bunch of money at a casino or something too, right? Yeah, I was in. I went to Goa, <laughs> India, a few weeks before, and uh, I was India is also amazing, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually just a side note that Goa, I, I won about six hundred dollars one weekend at the casino. And, nice. And then I went. And I that's went like back a to month work. in India. A month. Of well, it, well, then I yeah, I went back to to offices at the to my office. And my Indian coworkers are like, "How'd you do in the casino? Did you win any money?" And I had to like, "Yeah, I won like uh, two months of your salary." <laughs> like, yeah, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> to me, yeah. That's so yeah, nice. um, so yeah, I was I was living a, 
a decent lifestyle. You know, I, I wasn't, um, at the time I was 28, I was, you know, in a, working in a big corporate career. So right. I was used to, used to staying in nice hotels. I wasn't so much in the backpacker mindset. Um, but that, that quickly changed when after me and my, so my, my friend and I, we were staying in a hotel, a proper hotel off uh, one of the soys off Sukhumvit. <clears throat> and so he recommended we go to Kausan. Go drinking, go to you know clubs, and so that's what we did our first night together. Right. I, we met, we met at the at the uh, the airport. I, I I flew in from Koh Samui that day, and he flew in from from Nagoya, Japan. And so promptly we checked into the hotel and went straight to the Kaosan yeah. Road. And it's like a good buddy of yours you hadn't seen in a while. I'm assuming, right? So you have yeah plans to have a good night out, all this stuff. Yeah, so we were really excited to see each other and just hit the town, make a night out of it. We're probably out until. One one thirty, we decided to get in a cab, and then the distance be- between uh, Kaosan Road back to uh, Sukhumvit in the middle of the night, it's you know probably fifteen twenty minutes by cab. But we'd been in the cab for probably about thirty minutes, and we still hadn't even gotten to an area that remotely resembled uh. Sukhumvit. And so uh, my my buddy, he asked the driver. He said, "Hey, I really have to pee. Um, yeah. Are we getting are we getting close?" The drivers like take you for a ride around here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and um, we didn't really care because we negotiated a, a price up front, and so you know we didn't. Really, oh really? You know, Usually it's like when they run the meter, they'll do that kind of thing, but. Yeah, but I think he was just trying to look for a setup. Oh, uh, okay. oh I understand. Oh wow! So because yeah, so was okay. So he, so he's in on it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I gotcha. Oh. So you were picked. You were, you went out for a little bit. You're picked up in the cab. You're in the cab. You're heading back, and you didn't think anything of it because you might. You were with your friend. You were drinking a little bit, and it didn't even cross your mind like holy. Did it or did it cross your mind like holy shit? We got a pre-negotiated rate, or no? I mean that's kind of normal in Thailand. That's normal. Yeah, yeah. It's it's more uncommon for them to run the meter actually. Uh, Good luck finding a guy who will run the meter for you here. (laughs) That's like the most frustrating thing about Bangkok. Every time I'm here, I'm just trying to get around, trying to find a cab that will actually run the meter or give you the right price. Uh, It's it's really difficult. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I mean you you know that you might be paying a little extra, but you know exactly how much you're paying too. So it's kind of a a trade off. Yeah, yeah. If you get the meter, then you, they're gonna take you around for a ride. So, yeah, it's, a cat, it's sort of like either way, you're gonna get screwed. Cost of, <laughs> cost of doing business. Yeah, and so yeah, we. Um, my my friend asked the driver, like, I have to pee really bad. Are we almost there? And the driver said, Oh, let me find a safe place to pull over. And so he drives another few minutes. Um, finally pulls over. My friend gets out, starts peeing right away. And as soon as he's peeing, there's a cop waiting right there on the sidewalk. Starts wow. and starts yelling at my friend, like, Hey, you can't do that. Tells my friend he's going to charge him with urinating in public, which in the middle of the night in Bangkok, it wouldn't be uncommon in, at all to see right. somebody urinating on the side of the road. Um, for locals or for anybody? Like, for locals. Okay. Anybody. Yeah, it's, it's a different world. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, and, and then the, uh, the cop got into the backseat of the, uh, cop, or the uh, taxi with me, and then he just... Um, pretended essentially to tap my, to reach into my pocket. He just kind of tapped his, his hand against my thigh and then held up, held up a, a little tiny one gram bag of marijuana, which it's, I, I know a hundred percent certainty it wasn't mine. Um, I, it wasn't even on our radar to, to get drugs or anything that night. And so it was just a complete shock when he held up a, a bag. Um, 
and he wanted on the spot he wanted a 10,000 bot which is about $300 and mm, yeah mm-hmm. this whole situation was was really sketchy I didn't even know if honestly if he was a real cop um just right. given the circumstances of how he approached us um I'm not I wasn't that familiar with you know kind of their Bangkok or a, you know a Thai police officer's uniform what it really looks like but it just they don't quite have the same level of uh, equipment and official lookingness of yeah. okay. a, like an American cop. So yeah, that's one thing of... that you don't always. Yeah, in, in new countries, I'm like, wait, what is a police uniform? It always kind of throws me <laughs> off a little bit. So I'm like, wait, who are the? Which one's the police? <laughs> uh... Yeah, I mean, because they some of the the official police there they look less official than like a rent a cop, like a mall security guard right. in the states. Sometimes. Yeah, and like it, and I remember like in India they have these like tan uniforms and like. In right. Vietnam, they're like these green. It's just very different than what you're used to. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it... But also, I, I think there would be people, it, I'm sure there are people in Thailand that dress up like police that aren't as well. So you wouldn't have been completely off base to, you know, right. yeah. think that maybe this is just not even a cop. So have you heard of that? Have you have you seen that, Mike? Or, or Ben, did you hear of things like that? Like people not being police officers, but impersonating them? Like, has that, like, before you even visited Thailand, has did that cross your mind or in your travels, Mike? Have you seen that or heard uh, of it? I don't know. I can't think spe- specifically of a of someone telling me this kind of story, but I, um, I wouldn't be surprised um, if that kind of thing has happened. Uh, I, I, didn't, I do know in, 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 in India there is an, a problem with uh, counterfeit um, road checkpoints oh. for, uh, breath, for alcohol testing. Hmm. So okay. people will just pay the fine, and it's not even going to a real cop. Oh. And they do have things like at the borders. I remember crossing, uh, for example, crossing from Laos into Cambodia. Um, the the way the border is set up, it's not like say a border that the U.S. would be running, for example, where you'd have it's very formal and you know exactly here's where you go. It's like you just kind of walk across the border, and there's sort of um, little stands along the way and you don't even know exactly which one you're supposed to go to like some of them are completely fake you just walk up and they give you like a, a quote-unquote uh medical exam where they like check your temperature and they charge you a couple dollars for what? it there's li- yes there's literally what? like fake people fake border uh procedure people at some of these borders um uh, it's wow. it's wild man this is the wild east <laughs> <laughs> so so did you pay one of those people mike like did you actually I, uh, yeah, I think I paid someone like two dollars to give me a medical exam when I was crossing from Laos to Cambodia, oh, and I, I, I just, you know, it's when it's very disorienting because you don't know what's what's going on. Like, it's really weird. That's a very weird border. I, when I when I got to in Cambodia, I didn't have any passport pictures, and I asked one of the officials. I was like, I don't, I don't have a picture, and he's like, it was it's twenty dollars for the visa, and he's like, oh, just give me twenty five. I give him twenty five. Two seconds later, he comes back with my visa stamp, and I yes. bypassed this line that was taking people yes. over an hour to get through. Wow. I saw people arrive to my and hostel that I saw were on my flight like an hour and a half after, and I was like, best $5. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so, uh, a friend of mine I was traveling with at the time across the same Lao-Cambodia border, he had something similar where, well, in his situation, his passport didn't have, didn't have enough space or something, um, but he like paid them extra so that they could put the visa over some other stamp that was on there or something wow. <laughs> yeah, it's wow. wild it, that's nuts man so it sounds like Ugh. it sounds like i don't know would you call that corruption a little bit like if you're paying a guy five bucks to let you through early like would you i mean i guess it's considered a little bit right i think i think definitely because then because then they 
I mean, we're talking, we're making light of it, but then there's situations where right. they won't stamp you out of the country unless you give them, a, you have to slip a dollar into your, right. into your passport as right. well. Yeah, so there's corruption that helps you sometimes, and there's <laughs> corruption that doesn't help you. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting. This is something that, like, was um, very prevalent in my last company that I worked for, actually. They said, uh, I mean, corruption was not prevalent. They They made it very, very straightforward that, you know anything regarding money and all that stuff was was definitely corruption and that you know you had to be wary of that they had like corruption anti-corruption training on a yearly basis that you had to take um i didn't it's just interesting to hear like you know some of these countries you have to do that if you want to do business but it's also morally and socially wrong you know even right. though even though you'll make a huge deal or you'll get across a border first yeah it helps you but you know i guess there it's it's just moral moral and social ish socially it's not the right thing and i'm <laughs> i don't want i want that brings me back to like the story so so at this point this guy you're in the back of the taxi this guy pulls some fake well, not fake weed, but he pulls this uh, this weed that he obviously planted on you, mm-hmm. and yeah. and he goes, then, he goes ten thousand baht right now, or you go to jail. And and I'm thinking, okay, well, bam. maybe he's not real. Maybe I'm, I'm this is Asia. I got to negotiate everything. So I I try to dar- drive a hard bargain. I go, no, I'm not paying you. And he asks me one more time, ten thousand baht right now, or you go to jail. Wow. And Did you try offering him like five thousand or something? No, Say I just <laughs> I just try to drive. I thought hopefully he was gonna want to. Would, budge down but right right apparently they don't they don't like to negotiate and so Jeez. right after the second time I, I refused he immediately cuffed me and right Jeez. after he cuffed me i said okay okay i pay i pay i pay and he goes no too late you go to jail i'm surprised no. he like didn't at that point just say okay all right now you know i'm serious i'll take it i right. surprised he didn't just i still I he know. said the offer's off that's i think i just maybe really just rubbed uh, in the wrong maybe way. he's doing this so that like in the so you tell the story to people on a for example, a podcast. And now in the future, everyone <laughs> just pays immediately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I th- he probably still get he, I, he. I'm sure he'll got a, he got a cut of what I had to pay in the end anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm sure yeah. he got a cut at the end. Yeah, I guarantee it. He had yeah. to have. Yeah, and, I, and uh, so. I wouldn't be surprised if the taxi driver got a little bit too. Probably. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, w- I want to hear. I, w- I read. I read the story. You can see the story for pe- our listeners. We're gonna link to it. You can read read the story online um, on your on your Facebook, but I want to I want to I want you to keep going and, and get to the part where you're you know you're in jail you're and and that scenario s- sets up where there's even so, larger corruption than we even thought you know yeah so so then uh, yeah so after I refused and he cuffed me he got into the he, he got into the cab well he was already in the cab but basically the cab drove us to the police station where they booked me. Um, and they uh, kept me in a kind of an observation room for the first night where been, essentially I just had to kind of sleep on this wooden table. And I remember I had bought in one of the, this uh, hollowed out wooden um, tribal frog you can buy in Kosan. One of the Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen those. And, and just <laughs> yeah, to... Just like just <laughs> click, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, 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 uh, and I still... So I was in that room and they, they hadn't taken my cell phone either... Um, Luckily, I had a tie sim, but I called the embassy and I called the emergency line, and I was telling them what happened. And eventually, they said, "Stop calling. We're, we know that like you're arrested. Like 
there's nothing we can do for you. Like, oh wow. <laughs> like we uh, we don't care that like you're complaining that you're like the cop was corrupt. <laughs> you're in jail. Like, you don't have like a beef. Wow. Leave us alone. <laughs> just. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was a pretty terrifying night, just um, being in there. <clears throat> and then the next day, they moved me to kind of the more general um, cells. There was probably about four or five cells in this police station, and it was the um, Chanasongkram police station right at the end of yeah. Kelsen Road. That yeah, that I've you'll seen, see I know if, that one. Yeah, that's where you like so, pick up the bus and stuff too. <laughs> yeah, all the shuttles to the airport and yeah, right right by there. Um, yep. So I can, they moved me into another room where I could kind of tell what was going on outside. I could tell if it was night or day, um, but still really couldn't see out onto the street. And so mm-hmm. that's one of the most um, frustrating things is you hear life going on, um, continuing outside, and then you're stuck in a cell and right. they don't really, they keep a lot of information from you that they really try to intimidate you. And um, they didn't really give me any status updates for probably yeah. about 16 or 18 hours while you, I was in there. And you don't have necessarily, well, you don't have the same rights you have in the U.S., right? Where it's, okay, well, you have the right to a speedy trial, right to an attorney, right to remain silent, all these, you know, things. And you don't even know what the rights are, I guess, as well. Exactly. Right, um, right. And I was, so, on, to be honest, I was a little disappointed with the uh, U.S. Embassy's response, too, because I called them, and all they did was send me a, a fax, which was about 10 pages long, and it it did tell me my rights to a certain degree, but... Some other embassies, when, when their citizens are arrested, for example, the Korean embassy will always come and bring a care package and, and check in and make sure that they're, that, you know, the prisoner's healthy and stuff. So, Have you been I, arrested in Korea? <laughs> I have not, but I, this, is, uh, this is what my, um, my translator told me. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, just made, you brought it up, man. You brought never, it up. never been to Korea, but okay. not planning on getting arrested in some so what were what were the accommodations like? What can you describe them in detail for the listeners? What what it so pick, give, paint us a picture of the holding so area. So I was in a room. My cell was probably about ten feet by twenty feet. So it was enough enough room to pace around in to kind of lie down comfortably. And then within that cell, there was a a squatter toilet that was covered uh, three cor- uh, three ways around by a kind of a wall. And you can there's a faucet within that squatter toilet so you can kind of give yourself a shower and defecate and urinate and urinate in there um but there's no bench you sleep directly on the concrete floor mm. there's constant fluorescent light there's no clock which is psychologically just torturous not knowing what time it is not knowing how long you've been in there so it's like the casino but way worse it is yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um, Jeez, that's, that's awful, man. So after I was after I was in the jail for the the first afternoon, they brought in a translator, and it was this sketchy Thai dude, and his English was pretty bad. It was kind of tough to understand him, and he had neck tattoos, and he just kind of seemed pretty sketchy. And he told me how I was going to have to pay about forty thousand baht, and I told him how I'd, I had plans to go to Chiang Mai that that day, and he's like, "That's impossible now." And he told me I would basically be in Thailand for two months to six months, depending if I pleaded guilty or not guilty. So if I if I pled not guilty, I'd have to wait in Thailand for six months until my trial. Holy shit! Oh my god! Which, which he told me I would be found I'd be found guilty anyway, just because it's my word versus the cops, and then my uh. my sentence would be much more severe than if I just played um, pled guilty and paid this this money. Hmm. 
Um, so I thought I thought this was this was sketch, and I told him like I'm not willing to to pay him, and I want to get a lawyer and do this like the tr- traditional way. Um, so he left, and then the next day they brought in a new translator, and it was a a female, and her English was much better, and she just gave a, a different impression, and so I opened up to her, and she told me that I would basically have to pay fifty five thousand baht, which equates to about eighteen hundred dollars. Okay. Um, so I had my friend on the outside. I had him make several ATM runs for me, and I had some cash in my safe. And so we, between the two of us, we were able to uh, get this money together. And I think that's one of the reasons why we were a target in the first place is because we were two men, and they want they want to arrest one of one of a pair. And so there's one on the outside to do the other one's bidding, oh. the cash runs. Um, so it seemed. Did it seem? It seemed like they. It was a routine almost. Is that what you're? The impression you're giving? It's definitely a routine. Um, and uh, as as I continue to tell the story, I'll, yeah, I, I go can ahead. definitely elaborate on that go too. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I got the cash together and and uh, paid it to this translator and in front of the captain as well. We were in the captain's office in the basement of the police station and just counted out fifty five thousand baht, which it's physically a lot of money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, so that was that was painful, but then as soon as after I paid it, then there were the cops' attitude towards me completely changed. They were very con- <laughs> they were pretty nice to me. Yeah, super they happy gave, and nice to you, right? <laughs> super happy and nice to me. They gave me a beer. I didn't. I don't even smoke, but they offered me a cigarette, and just I was just stressed and kind of happy to <laughs> smoke the cigarette as yeah, well. <laughs> in certain times <laughs> yeah yeah no i i would too I, there's a picture of you too right with your handcuffs yeah. on and a beer in your hand yeah um, have you posted <laughs> <laughs> that's a good picture by the way yeah <laughs> um so the next day they took me to court um and my official bail was um ten thousand dollars or ten thousand uh bot so the other forty five thousand bot just kind of vanished yeah to the, Went to somewhere, the right? Yeah. Uh, was that made apparent at the trial or at the at the uh, ju- judgment? Um, basically, they like I'm. I wasn't allowed to pay the bail myself. It has to be paid through an agent, and so by me paying this fifty five thousand bot, they kind of arranged the agent to pay the ten thousand bot bail on my behalf. Oh. That's, yeah, I, I basically had to put to give them blind faith as well. It's like here's fifty five thousand bot, and your word that. The right. system's gonna slide me through like you're, like you're telling me to, it will. Okay. Um, so that, you couldn't that give was... them like half before, half after. I guess you weren't in the position. <laughs> <to negotiate. laughs> I I know I was taking a, a chance, but I also realized like I'm just a, I'm I'm just money a money bag to them, and that's what they want. Right. If I just well, you are talking about staying in Thailand for months, right? So right, right. Um, and I had to get back to work. I you know I was on a business trip. Luckily, my my company was pretty accommodating. I told them what happened, and I got to keep my job when I came home, which was which was a relief. Um, wow. Yeah. But then, yeah. so after I after I had my bail, I had to I had to stay in Thailand for two months um, until my official court date. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, and so then I then I had to shift modes into kind of the more backpacking mode. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Then you became a backpacker. <laughs> Unexpected Unintended backpacking trip. Huh? <laughs> so. So you ba- so what did you wind up doing? You just bounced around. Did you at least have a good time in the last two months? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did have a really good time. And in fact, it's you being in Thai jail. It really it was. Just, it made me appreciate my freedom. I'm mm. in 
and then having two months of of freedom in another another sense where I'm I'm free from ob- obligations from from home from work I'm just in limbo yeah. it was kind of it was kind of a nice blessing in disguise huh. although right you got like easier. little extra vacation <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, you only cost you two thousand dollars and some time in prison <laughs> yeah I mean the way I look at it it's like that's what this is like that was like my airfare there which. I wasn't really on the hook for in the first place just because it was a business trip. So. Uh, okay. Right, right. But not Were you a, still getting paid <laughs> during those two months? No, no, I wasn't. Okay. Was, okay. Yeah. That, that would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been the cherry on That top. would have almost made it worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then I, they gave me, uh, like, all, the, one of the frustrating things, too, is all the court documents are always in Thai, even the numbers. Right. So I don't know what, anything I'm signing. It's, it's like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Broke Down Palace, but it's like that. They put some court document in front of you, it's all squiggly tie and you're, you're like, sign yeah. this. And you're just, you have to trust that what you're signing is, is, yeah. What, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, What's broken? And you're down? signing a guilty plea too, right? And that's kind of like, I, I did. a I guilty did plea in a different it. language. Like, wow, yeah. that's mm-hmm. intense. They could, they could charge you with so much other shit. If, if you, yeah. Oh, and, and the, I had somebody translate the police report to me. Um, and it's just all BS. Um, right. It says that I was standing outside of a temple and I looked suspicious, like I was selling drugs. And then they found that oh bag of weed. Oh my god! And that there's absolutely no way. It's like okay, I'm an American. I was in Bangkok for literally one day. So in that one day, I, I learned how to sling one gram of marijuana. <laughs> right. <laughs> when I meanwhile I have a career going on. It's oh doing my okay. god! Right. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! That's incredible. Yeah. And, and it's uh, all right. So, so at this point in the story, did you, you've gotten your judgment, et cetera. You've paid I, your fines. I, I've, I've gotten bailed. I've gotten bailed out. And so I haven't had a, I haven't yeah. had my, my true hearing. So I, I'm just hanging out in Thailand for two months. I have to did uh, you make it to Chiang Mai eventually. <laughs> I did. I did make it to Chiang Mai eventually. All right. Good. Good. Yeah. Chiang Mai. <laughs> I, trekked through, I, I trekked through the jungles for uh, a few days. I did some mountain biking. Ah, nice. Hung out with the elephants. Yeah, it was, it was fun. <laughs> um, but it was frustrating because I did have to extend my visa while I was on bail because I, I was going to overstay my visa even though I couldn't oh, yeah. even leave the country. So I, I had to use my translator, which I had to pay daily um, a thousand baht just to shit. come with me to immigration every day offices. over the last oh. two months you had to have not every person. day just just okay. when okay. i needed only when you needed them to okay. do yeah. okay which basically the translator is a i ended up um having to, the the girl that i ended up paying the 55,000 bot she didn't kind she didn't help me out too much after the fact um but the original translator the sketchy guy that i first didn't trust I, he was the one that he's he was always hanging out in front of the police station always waiting for foreigners to uh to get arrested so oh wow he was the one that would always help me out um so yeah so after the after the two months were up i had my my trial where i got my official my official fine which ended up being about 40 dollars us so (laughs) it was kind of like an insult like if i would have just if i knew if i would have known my way around the legal system and if i wouldn't have been intimidated and scared of the, at the outset and just extorted then i could have navigated this through and got out of it right. way more cheap i would have such i would have paid ten thousand baht bail which i would have received as a refund and i would have just paid the 40 dollar fee but 
just oh, because okay. I'm a foreigner so, and they know I have much more money. They, you know, they. I gotcha. So what you, so how would you have gone? How would you have been able though to pay the ten thousand baht bail? Because um, didn't you say the bail had to go through somebody else? Uh, yeah, yeah, would, I don't know. See, that's the, that's one of those things. It's that they use to stick it to us. What would you have done differently? You know, if you were there, knowing you know today, now you're in that situation. So you're in the prison, and then you know you know that the bail is supposed to be ten thousand, and the fine's forty bucks. I think you just don't get to the prison in the first place. You pay the ten thousand baht. Right. Uh, oh, you pay the ten thousand baht. Up front. Yeah, yeah. And be done with it. I thought it was even more than that, man. I've heard like I've heard of people that had to you know, this similar kind of like thing happen to them, or they got caught for real, whatever it was, and they had to pay, you know, sixty thousand baht, you know, two thousand yeah, dollars straight sure. up. Um, yeah. I don't know, but you would say, just pay whatever they say up front. Yeah. <laughs> even though it's completely, yeah, even if you it's know. not legit. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, and man. so after I had my court hearing and paid my official fine, um, the last day I was in Thailand, I had to go to the police station to uh, with my pass so I can collect my passport and then um, have my passport taken to the immigration office so they can remove me from the blacklist so I can leave the country. And um, so while I'm at the police station, the the translator, he's like, "Hey, I need you to talk to these uh, three foreigners that we arrested last night." And there was uh, an English guy, a French guy, and an Australian uh, guy. And, Similars were all, their stories were all kind of similar. Somebody either offered them drugs or, you know, just kind of coerced them into buying it. Um, you know, three in the morning, they're drunk. Hey, man, you want, you want to buy a joint? You know, 100 baht, wow. you know? Yeah. Real, okay. Something you should never do is buy any drugs from those people on the street. Oh, my God. Are, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they get, they wake up in, in jail the next morning. Um, and so, yeah, basically the, the translator told me, like, tell them what just happened to you and how you just went through the process. And because they were they were in the same state of mind that I was when I first got arrested. Like, this can't be happening. And there's no way I'm going to pay this much money. This is extortion. Like, this, I'm going to call my embassy and try right. to be defiant. But you're in their country. You're in their system. And you're going to have to play mm -hmm. by their rules. Oh, okay. So you, the moral of the story is, even though it's, corrupt and bs just do do away with it get rid of it right away you know if the guy asks if it's a you have to know if it's legitimate police officer or whatever yeah but i guess you have to yeah i mean because it's, it's only universally it's only going to get more expensive as you go up the chain the more people are involved the more people are going to get a cut and the more money cut, you're gonna... yeah ah interesting yeah. interesting and um yeah, yeah i gotcha because rather than me, if I just pay that 10,000 baht at the beginning, then it's just that, that officer and the taxi just taking the cut. But then once you get the police captain involved and you get more people involved, then it's, it gets squirrely. And um, yeah, after, after my bail hearing, it was, it was kind of frustrating because my friend was waiting for me um, at the hostel we were staying at. But rather than the police taking me straight back to my hostel, they kind of, we went for a joy ride. We, Picked up a pack of beers, drove around in a police car, drinking beers while driving. We went, <laughs> this, we is, to, this was against your will, kind of, right? Kind of against my will, yeah. I mean, I was... Man, you I were was forced to go and party with these guys like they're your chums. Yeah. And break more laws with the police. <laughs> yeah, it, it was oh. interesting, too, because then uh, when I was in... I was recently been in Bangkok. I was there in uh, January and February. And um, in the Democracy Plaza, there was... Police cars turned over just based on, um, from the, uh, the demonstrations, 
and you see in the cop there was some so the, some of the cop cars turned over and you see like packs of condoms, playing cards, cigarettes, <laughs> beer oh. bottles like spilling out of the cop cars. Huh. Oh wow. <laughs> that's wild. That's wild, man. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Oh jeez. I, I can't imagine. So, uh, do you have I guess um do you have any more parting wisdom from or lessons learned or any other morals whatever parting thoughts on the story? Jeez. Well, I don't know. I mean, I one thing I do now when I get into a cab now, if I have the chance, I just pull up my Google Maps and I just kind of try to follow yeah. along the the route, make sure that we're kind of going in the general direction. But yeah, not really. It's hard to have that state of mind when it's two in the morning and you've been drinking. You know, uh, right? I it's tough to say because you know you want to be safe, but at the same time, it's it's a fine line. Or it's a balancing act between staying safe and trying to let loose and have fun at times too. You don't want to be yeah. be paranoid. Right. But at the same time, you don't want to find yourself in a bad situation. Right, yeah. right, right. You almost just but, had, like, just shit luck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't... I'm, and I'm on the right... The... Yeah, I think I'm the wrong guy to ask for, for advice how to avoid shitty <laughs> luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think uh, people are going to learn from the story, from your story, yeah, you know? It's... I think sharing, learning by sharing for everyone. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Well, we'll ask you one more question before we let you go, and this is in a completely different subject, but we ask all our guests. um, So you might know if you listen to uh, Mariana's episode, uh, who introduced us, actually. Um, And so, what is something that you would like to do in your life now that you're a free man again, um, before you (laughs) kick the bucket? (laughs) I just want to live by my own rules. I don't want to find myself in a situation where I'm trapped again, like for example, jail. I I know I want to. I value my freedom and whether or not that's trapped in a job that I don't see a future in or trapped in a relationship or just, you know, I want to, I want to play by my own rules. Um, and just be in the situations that I want to create for myself rather than getting painted into, into a corner where, you know, something that, so I know that's, I know that's not a specific answer that like going to a nude no, beach, it's, but <laughs> it's, it's more of a something. Was there another kind of big? It sounds like there's like a, another life change you made that right. you're uh, hinting at. Uh, was there something? Did you like quit this job you had before or something like that? Or was uh, there... after? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did end up leaving that job, and I was engaged throughout this whole affair too. And, oh. uh, and ended up deciding not not to get married as well. Wow. Uh, oh wow. wow! So you quit so, your job and the relationship after? Yes. That. Yeah. Wow. It was. It was. I realized I was just kind of going through a path through life that I wasn't making active decisions. I was just graduating from college, getting a career, right. finding a girl, right. moving in with her, motions, getting engaged. Yeah. Get, yeah, I was just going through the motions and you, realized that in my life I'm lucky I have options that I can I can travel, I yeah. can explore the world, I can yeah. I could bounce around jobs yeah. if I want to. So Do you do you feel that you're being a lot more proactive in your life now? I think so. I but at the same time it's hard too because I I have a certain reluctance too to make big decisions also I, uh, big commitments just because it's that same thing I, I yes. don't want to get trapped so it's yeah. <laughs> and right now I am in a little bit of a limbo because I have I'm it has been about a year since I quit that job and I have been traveling and and now yeah. it's it's uh, I don't know traveling is starting to feel more like a grind than it was an escape before and so now right. I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All all these things are. It's funny that you, that um, you know. So this episode to 
to this point was about this one story in Thailand, but now these are things that tie in with our themes, general themes of the show. You know, we talk a lot about um, how many people follow the script and all this stuff, and kind of that's what really what in many ways of the show is about breaking the script and living, right. like you said, um, to be free, living on your own terms. Um, you know, certainly it's some. This is what I am doing, trying to do as well. You know, so I also left my corporate job a year ago, and mm-hmm. I've been traveling for a year, and feel similarly to you. You know, the okay, now the traveling's been like a grind, so that's why I'm heading to Chiang Mai, maybe late, hopefully later today, um, <laughs> and set post up there and be comfortable. Um, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Well, it's nice too because I've I've traveled, and you know, if I get a new job and I don't like it, I can always quit, and I say, okay, maybe I'll pick up yep. traveling again. So I have, the nice thing is to know I have op- I have options. Very yes. Cool. yes. Now, definitely. is this? I'm curious though. Is this this revelation of yours? Th- did this come from the the um, incident that happened in Thailand, or was it something else that kind of triggered this for you? I think it was the uh, mainly the Thai Thai experience. Really? Um, so this time uh, in Thai jail triggered you to quit your job <laughs> and change your whole life. It, yeah, I mean, it, it was a traumatic experience followed by a very relaxed, unplugged experience where I could uh, just reflect. Okay. And, huh. The two and months, think about yeah. things, yeah. So, yeah, wow. <clears throat> so maybe it was a blessing in disguise. That's that's amazing, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I still am alive. I'm here and back at home in the states. Um, a little, you know. Obviously, it cost me money, um, but it's going to be a great story for my grandkids one day. Um, right. Right. So I can't. Re- I can't really say I have any regrets because it, it. It's one of those things that it sucks when it happens, but. The, the best you can do is just learn from it and take it away, take away from it. That's awesome, man. Uh, um, you know, maybe we'll have to bring you back on for a future episode. It sounds like you probably have plenty more to share if you've been traveling for a year since this incident. So I've, maybe I've, I've got much more to share. I've got <laughs> plenty more. Um, I, we don't, I, I was one, one incident now. I won't give it a, I won't tell the whole story. Um, that's considering me to kind Preview. of stop traveling is I was, <laughs> Um, about a week to go on my last trip in South America, I was in Quito, Ecuador in a, in a bar and I got cracked over the head with a beer bottle and mugged. Jeez. So. Oh man. All right. Well, we'll have yeah, the, yeah. the Ben Con so that... episode part two, <laughs> what's, uh, what's... bar fight in Peru story or, or Ecuador story. <laughs> Very cool. Um, I, I look forward awesome, to that. Man. Yeah. What, what's, yeah. What's um, that? What's that one going to be called? Cause your, your, your current story was the Thailand, a a cautionary tale. <laughs> ben Condon. What's the next one going to be called? I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. Just party, party bash in Quito. <laughs> a beer bottle in Ecuador. Yeah. <laughs> Cerveza on the cabeza. <laughs> Cerveza on cabeza. We got it. Boom. Um, That's it, man. Awesome, man. Uh, uh, well, folks want to follow you um, on Instagram. You've got um, an account there, Mayamo Ben, but Yamo uh, intentionally misspelled. So it's uh, M E Y A M O B E N on Instagram. Um, and yeah, we'll also post up a link to the story itself. People want to do a, a, re- a reading version of it. Um, and we'll have you, I think we'll have to have you on again. Um, Absolutely. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks, this was, ben. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, Thank you. It was a pleasure. Eye opening story. Absolutely. <laughs> And thanks, everybody, for listening to Walking the Earth Podcast. You can check us out online at wtepodcast.com. And don't forget to try your free trial at audibletrial.com slash wtepodcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care.